Our scripture reading will be 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 12. It's 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 12. Or in your pew Bible, number 1053. 1053. Likewise, decent deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let, but let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their house well. Good morning. As you can see, our brother David Shannon is not here with us this morning. He is holding a gospel meeting, and uh, we're honored to be here and be able to speak to you for just a moment about something that's very important in the Lord's work here at Mount Julian. When a person responds through obedient faith to God's plan of salvation, God saves that person, and God adds him to his church, as stated in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. The New Testament church has no worldwide organization. There is no hierarchy, no central organization, no earthly headquarters for the entire church. It is clearly taught in the New Testament, that the Lord's church is made up of individual autonomous congregations, and they act independent of each other. Now, in the eyes of men, this may seem like a rather inadequate system, but when we really look at it and study how God's church is governed, we see God's infinite wisdom in this. If one church becomes doctrinally or morally unsound, then it cannot contaminate the entire body of Christ. Well, what is God's plan for the government of his church, and how is it to be governed? Well, we go to the scriptures again for that. He planned it in such a way that it cannot be swept away into error in one quick stroke, as we've said. And also, it's through God's plan that we see how the church needs to be governed. Christ is the head of the church. He rules the church through his word. The Bible. And then we have elders, pastors, bishops, or deacons. These are all the same title for the same office or the same position of workers. And we here at Manjuit refer to them as elders 
A lot of times we get calls here at the building want to speak to the pastor. Well, usually there's not an elder here. So they usually refer them to at least one of the ministers or evangelists. But God's plan is Christ is the head. It's his word that rules the church, the Bible. And the elders and pastors are the administrators operating under the Bible and under the headship of Jesus Christ. Now, working under the elders are the deacons, the evangelists, the teachers, and the entire congregation of its members. This is God's structure for the government of his church. This is his plan. Now, we here at Mount Juliet want to follow that plan. That's our desire, to follow God's plan. There are currently nine elders, 46 deacons, five ministers, and a host of teachers serving this congregation. And we are indeed very blessed. When we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, we see that when the whole body is joined, knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's Ephesians 4.16. So when everyone does their part, the body's going to grow and the church is edified in love. Now here at Mount Juliet, Every two years, we want to evaluate and study each ministry and the deacon over that ministry. Even sometimes we may want to begin a new ministry. Now we're now at that point at Mount Juliet. We have an outstanding group of deacons. They do a wonderful job. Most recently, we've seen the, the great work that was done on Families Day how Greg Coles organized that. And it was just a great day. And many of you told us that, and we appreciate the feedback on that. And Greg is not just one of 46 that do a wonderful job here. They work hard, they plan their ministries, and they work in them. And they're blessed for it. Now, each deacon was recently given a form from the elders to tell us if they wanted to continue as a deacon, first of all, or to continue to serve in their current ministry, or perhaps even change to another ministry. And we've received all those forms back by now, and we've looked at those and studied those a little bit, and we see that some have asked to step down as a deacon. They've done their service, and they feel like there's other things that they need to be doing other than maybe serving as a deacon. They can serve the church in many other ways. And just because they're stepping down as a deacon, there's no disgrace in that whatsoever. They serve well, and we appreciate the job that they've done. Others have asked to be moved to another ministry. That, too, is very honorable, and we, we try to honor that. But now because of this, we are in need to appoint 
some new deacons. And what I want to spend our remainder of the time that I have this morning before you, before Brother Tim comes up, is let us look at the qualifications of deacons found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And by the way, this is the only place, the only place in the New Testament where the qualifications of deacons are found. Let's read this again together, if you would read with me. Just a few verses here, 8 through 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these first also be tested, then let them serve as deacons and be found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. As we look at this passage, again, where this is the only place where the qualifications of deacons are found. It says deacons must be grave. That simply means that they must be dignified, honorable, respectable. And then they're not to be double-tongued. They're a person that doesn't say one thing and mean another. Or they're a person that doesn't say one group to one group one thing and then turn around and say something completely different to another group. They're not double-tongued. Another interesting qualification is they're not given to much wine. Well, the church really doesn't need drinking deacons. There's no need for that today. We have pure water. We have many things that we can drink besides alcoholic beverages. And the influence that they would have on those that would drink would not serve them well as they are serving God as a deacon. There's really not any good use for it, for the Lord's people. Another qualification is that deacons should not go after dishonest gain. They should not have a love of money where they would do things maybe a little bit underhanded in order to gain money. And they should also hold the mystery of the faith in good conscience. They need to know God's plan. They need to know God's plan for the gospel. They need to know his word and hold that in their heart and be determined to follow God's word. You know, when we, we do something that we know that's contrary to God's word, we know God's word, that contaminates our conscience. That's what it means that we hold that faith in good conscience. We're never going to do anything that's going to contaminate that conscience that's going to go through it. We're always going to use God's word as our guide. Prospective deacons should hold the mystery of the faith, but they also need to be proved first. They need to be tested. They need to have served in some capacity, perhaps as teaching or something where we've seen they're not to be a novice, certainly not one that's just been a member of the Lord's church for a little while, but they need to be proved. They are blameless persons. 
one that cannot uh, point people point out his faults and shortcomings. And then they are to be married, married with children, one that rules his own house well. The first time that this work is mentioned in the Bible is found in Acts chapter 6. In the first two or three verses of that chapter, in the church that was just getting started there in Jerusalem, the Lord's church when it was founded, there were Grecian widows that were not getting the proper food they needed. And the apostles told the congregation, Seek out among you men that are full of the Holy Spirit, that are well known in this congregation. And they did that. And they sought out those men. And they began to serve while the apostles and others continued to teach the word of God. And I want to pay particular attention now to verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. Look at the results of that. Look what happened when those deacons took care of the widows, those in need of their congregation, helping with benevolence, helping to build up the faithful. The word of God, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Again, when God's people are doing their part, each one working and trying hard to do their part, the church is going to grow, great good is going to be done. The elders are asking each member of this congregation that you prayerfully consider these qualifications that we've mentioned here from the Bible. Take time and pray about this. Take a good look at the men of this congregation who meet these requirements. And then we would like for you to please submit these names in writing along with your name signed to that list. And there'll be a box out here in the foyer and we're not asking for these names today. We want you to be praying about it, thinking about it. But there'll be a box that you can put those names in. And then over the next two weeks, we'll be thinking about this as elders and as a congregation, praying about this, that we can find the right men, just those men that'll be able to serve in these various ministries. Every time someone gets up to pray here, they pray for the elders and the deacons and the ministers. I can't tell you how humbling that is to hear someone praying that we succeed and that we try to do God's will. And that's all we want to do. And when we do that, the church is going to grow. We're going to grow. We're going to love each other. And this church will do great things for the Lord. Now, one of our deacons, Brother Tim Martin, who's over our jail ministry, he wants to come, and uh, we've asked him to come, and tell you what it means to serve as a deacon. Tim has a great understanding of God's Word. He's a skilled teacher. He teaches our Wednesday night auditorium class, and 
He's one of many of our deacons that are doing a great job and that blesses this congregation every day by his work and his efforts. And now, Brother Tim, if you'd come, I'd turn it over to you.